Welcome to the Leadership Playbook. My name is Emily Hawkins. How I used to introduce myself is, I have 15 years in supply chain, creating and leading teams, streamlining processes, managing millions of dollars. Except that's not what I do anymore. I'm a career and life coach. And I wanna take you on the journey of how to lead yourself, how to take your career to the next level, whatever that may be. I'm gonna give you tangible advice on exactly how to do what you want to do. Lead and love your life. Hello, and welcome to How to Advise Others. So the first advice I'm going to give you about this is don't go out in public because you'll get a cold like I did, and then you sound crazy. So (laughs) I want to apologize for my voice and how crazy it is this week, but I show up, you know, I show up when things are hard. And today my voice is kind of in and out. So you just get a different version of me, but I'm still here, right? So I want to talk about how to advise others. This is a tricky, tricky game that you really don't want to get wrong because if you do, you become a pariah to those people. And you know what I'm talking about if you are a parent because the minute you start trying to give advice to your children, they roll their eyes unless they're really little. But even with my seven-year-old, I see this. And maybe you do it at work and you kind of notice people shut off. Maybe you do it with clients and they kind of get annoyed And where you really hear this is when people say, oh, they're a know-it-all. Oh my goodness, that is the last thing you want to be called, right? So what I want to do today is give you my four-step guide for how to give advice, be an advisor to others in an effective way where your information comes across, they feel listened to, they feel heard. And you've given them something and empowered them. That's really the point, right? So like I was saying before, we do this in so many areas of our lives. One of the places I haven't mentioned is marriage. (laughs) So if you're in a relationship and you want to have a conversation with someone, sometimes you're not in the headspace of wanting advice, right? You just want to vent. So we're going to get into all of that. But this applies to marriages and relationships as well. The first pillar of this is building trust. If you do not have trust of the person that you are talking with, first of all, they're not going to open up to you. They're not going to want advice from you in the first place. So building trust is key. If you think about it, you don't go up to a random person on the street and tell them your life story and ask for advice. And if you do, uh, I mean, good for you, but I could never do that. (laughs) You are looking for Someone that you feel like understands you and knows you at a deeper level. So even my coaching clients, we have a consultation before I become a part of their lives. And they only select me if they feel like I'm a trusted advisor, right? You're not going to go to someone thinking, oh my gosh, this person is going to tell everyone what we talk about and they're not going to honor anything I say. So it's really, really important to gain trust first. When I was in corporate America, how I did this was a couple of ways. On my team, I had a rule that you could come in my office at any time and that it was a safe zone. 
you could walk in and shut the door and say anything about anyone or any task, anything that was put in front of you, your life, and it would not be shared. I felt like all of us needed a safe space at work. And everyone on my team really did take advantage of this in terms of, I'm having a really hard day. I had several different people come in my office and cry. And guess what? I've never shared that. I'm I'm sharing it now because you don't know who these people are. But I'm not going to tell you names or anything like that because that was sacred ground. And that was a moment where they needed to take off the veil of being stoic or whatever craziness we put on ourselves at work. And they just needed to be real for a second. Building that trust took time. I had a team of people that over a six-month period, I worked very, very hard to build trust with. And once it was built, I could not let that go. Because trust takes a long time to build, but it takes one action to break it and for someone to never trust you ever again. So once you've built that, really treat it with kid gloves. It's very important. It's a fragile, fragile thing. So built, building trust and maintaining it is incredibly important. And again, how you do this is you become what you always want from others. When you say to somebody, can I tell you this in the strictest confidence, you want to know that they are not going to go tell your dirty laundry to somebody else. And that is how you should treat others. Another great way to build trust is to defend your team if it's a corporate job in a social setting. That would be meetings or anything like that. I always made sure that my team, we talked about we when it was us, but when there was blame, I always spoke publicly about how it was my fault and how it was me. And I never threw an employee under the bus because typically if there was a problem, it was lack of communication on my part. So if you do that publicly, you are going to build trust. That is incredibly important. So once you have built trust and somebody takes you up on coming in your office and telling you this thing, same with your children. You really need to level set expectations right then and there. When they shut that door and they're like, can I tell you something? Before they open their mouth, I would say, I just want to level set. Do you want advice or do you want a vent? I'm fine with either. I just want to make sure that I'm respecting you. You'd be shocked at how many people love that. And sometimes they do want a vent and that is just fine. But guess what? Now you are entering that conversation completely different than you would if it was an advice session. But guess what? By the end of it, they're probably going to want advice. But it's good to know, don't insert yourself. Don't try to solution something out if they're not even asking for it. Because maybe today they're venting and maybe tomorrow they want advice. Because you let them vent and you held that space for them, they will honor that and respect you more and come back tomorrow and ask for advice. Now what I want you to do, whether it is venting or advice time, is listen. 
it doesn't matter if you are giving advice or not. Listening is so important. I learned a trick called empathic listening, and I'll call it a trick, but really it's just being polite. Instead of waiting to talk, just listen, just hold space for the person that is next to you that is telling you this story. Don't put any preconceived notions around it. Don't try to solution it out. Just listen. My daughter is dyslexic, and I've talked about this before, but one of the things that she has taught me in her seven short years on this life is how to just listen. Uh, You may or may not know this, but dyslexics struggle with word finding. Every form of dyslexia presents itself slightly differently, but think of your brain as having a toolbox. And in that toolbox are all the words. They're everything you want to be able to say, do, all these things. So my daughter doesn't always know where her toolbox is. So when she's trying to tell me a story, especially if she's upset, It is all kinds of jumbled when it comes out. And what I've learned is I can't say, what's wrong? So what happened here? And and try to fill the space. I actually have to just stop and let her find the words. That really helps her calm down. It helps her find her own words because what I've found in the past is if I jump in too soon... Sometimes she will latch on to what I'm saying just so she doesn't have to do those word-finding hard things. And you may think this is limited to seven-year-olds, but I do not believe that. I have worked with many people that have a hard time getting their, especially if they're emotional, their words right. So what I would recommend is listen first. Don't interrupt. Don't say, are you trying to say this? None of that. I want you to listen. In fact, if you gave yourself five minutes of listening, unless the person is asking you a question, you would be amazed, one, at how long five minutes is, and two, how much better this person is going to feel because, again, this is building trust, and you've given them space that in this noisy, crazy world, they're usually not given. So once you've listened... And the conversation has naturally ended, meaning that the person is like, okay, I'm done, or that's all I had to say, or what do you think about that? Wait for those cues. Then I want you to teach these people how to think. (laughs) And you're probably like, oh goodness, I'm going to go straight into the thing she said not to be. Don't be a know-it-all. No, that is not what I'm saying. I don't want you to be a know-it-all, but this is how you're going to teach somebody how to think. You are going to ask open-ended questions. When they tell you a story about whatever, Bob and accounting, how they can't figure out this thing, they have a terrible client they're working with, their mom died, all these things, what you really need to be doing is asking more. Because I don't care how long this story is, they have probably left out some details. They are giving you surface level information. So what you're going to do you're going to start asking open-ended questions. How did that make you feel? When did this happen? How long have you been struggling with this? Did you ask blah? You're asking questions. And the reason you're doing this is because you are actually leading them down the path of thinking for themselves. 
One of the worst things we do as parents, one of the worst things we do as teachers, one of the worst things that people do in general is say, let me do this for you. And in a conversation, if you insert yourself and you just blanket advice at someone, that is basically saying, let me do it for you. And that takes all the power away from the person that you're sitting in front of and somehow gives you some sort of soft, fake power, false power. It's not real. It's not really helpful to anyone because the next time that person has a problem, they may come to you, but they may come to you for the wrong reasons. They may come to you because you're going to do it for them. And that is unhealthy. And that is not what you want. That is why the questions that you're asking are going to lead them down a path. So I'll give you an example of a time when I had to take some advice that was really hard for me to swallow. I had a boss that I was not happy with. And I had two employees on my team that I was also not happy with. Now, Spoiler alert, this is before I had done anything that I do now in terms of communication and reading and self-help and guidance. This is when I was a blamer. So two of my team members that were not so stellar had made mistakes that infuriated me. And my boss, who I didn't like, came to me and told me how terrible they were. Instead of taking ownership of the situation and saying, this is my team. I will handle my team. Thank you so much for this information. Let's keep this dialogue open. I went to someone else in the company and said, can you believe that my boss is angry at me? Now I did go to probably one of the smartest people on earth because he said to me, he gave me this look, he was listening. He listened to the whole story and he said, so who's the boss? And I said, well, you know, and he said, no, no, no. Who's the boss over the issues? And I sat there for a minute and I was so confused. And I said, oh, you mean where the problems are coming from? Well, I am. And he said, well, there you go. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you're the boss. You decide change, right? You own the success of this, right? Again, he's asking me questions. And right then and there, I realized I am arguing with somebody who's on my side. My boss was on my side. He wanted a good team environment for us. He wanted a good work product. And I was fighting the wrong battle. I was taking everything my boss said personally. And instead of dealing with my team, taking ownership of their miscommunications and misguidance, which was my fault. And it was because of this amazing man who was more senior to me that asked me these questions. I will forever be grateful for those questions. I did not necessarily walk in that room for advice, but at the end of it, I was asking for it. And that's why he changed his tune and asked me those questions. He never gave me an idea of what to do. He just listened and I already respected him. I knew he was not going to share this with anyone. He let me vent. And then when I asked for advice, he gave it to me. 
the next time somebody is asking you for advice, please think about these steps. They've built trust with you already. Are they venting or asking for advice? Make sure you're listening a lot more than you're talking. And remember, you're teaching them how to think by asking open-ended questions. You are not giving them an answer. Did you love what you heard today and you want more? Sign up for my weekly email in the show notes. You can also follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn by simply typing in Emily Hawkins, the number four, the letter U. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, it's at ehawkins28. I'll see you here next week.